You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 92, Six Rhythms for Living in Missional Community. Last week's episode, we had Caesar Kalinowski on to talk about um, the perspective of living missionally and doing it as a church and even as a strategy for youth ministry. And we talked about the context of what surrounds living that way, what the pros of it are, the kind of shifts and heart change and intentionality it takes to live that way. Uh, And for today's episode, we're going more in depth into the six rhythms that he teased in that episode and breaking them down to see how we can live out in community. And I feel like it's a good application point for you, regardless of your youth ministry structure um, and how you are relating to students and helping them think about how to live missionally. So let's hop into this part two conversation, if you will, with Caesar. Well, Caesar, welcome back to the podcast, man. Thanks for hopping back on for this uh, consecutive episode. Nice little part two to last week. Ah, I feel very honored. Here I am, just back already, man. And I'm, I'm a little different setting this week. I'm not. Uh, I was down in Florida, and I was in a condo or something. So this is my home environment here, my office. So. <laughs> yeah, love it, love it. Yeah. So you you're making podcast history. I've never had a guest on back to back like this. So. Uh, yeah, you should, wow, you should, very you should honored, feel very honored <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> on our illustrious podcast. Um, so if you have not listened to episode 91 yet uh, with Caesar, we talked about um, a perspective of living missionally, and we talked about the context of why it's necessary, how you begin to think about getting there. And throughout our conversation from last week, we talked about um, rhythms and how rhythms dictate our lives, um, our routines, and they have a heavy impact on our perspective on what we're doing. And then, of course, you weigh in things like comfort and tradition and things that just, you know, are within our realm of like, I feel like I have enough time to, to do this. So I'm just going to do this. If you tell me to do this, I can't do it. I can't think about that. And so last week, we kind of set up what's the mindset and what are the pros of actually fleshing this out. Mm. And uh, when we talked about it, you, you mentioned six rhythms uh, that people can latch onto and have kind of as a foundational um, place for them to live out this missional perspective. And so we're going to spend uh, this episode breaking down those six rhythms. Uh, do you want to set them up a little bit before we start uh, going through them, or do you, do you just want to tackle Yeah, I think, I, think yeah. I will. And maybe some of this will overlap a little bit of what we said uh, in last episode, yeah, but I don't yeah. think too much. Okay. So... Like you were just just sharing, Jeff, everybody seems way too busy for disciple making or really even how do I integrate my faith into normal everyday life? Right. That takes a whole lot of intentionality. But I'm since I'm so busy, da, 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 da. And so what God kind of showed us, not like in a you know fiery bush kind of way, but like years ago when we were starting to get really serious about making disciples and building out missional communities and, you know, people that were living this way mm-hmm. kind of gave us these handles and, and through some other folks and all kinds of different ways that kind of came together, you know, so I, 
want to say like, oh, we're so smart, you know, <laughs> but it turns out that God's created the world in a certain way that there's these six rhythms that everybody lives in, everybody has in common. Uh, and you don't have to call them what we call them or, you know what I mean? Like we've taught this to so many people and they've, it's been used I don't know, hundred thousands, maybe a thousand churches, but they, they change up the language a little bit here and there. That's not really the point. But once you see this, you realize, oh, uh, that's all true of me. Yeah. And it was true of Adam and Eve, and it's true of Israel, and Jesus lived this way, and so does his disciples, and so do your neighbors and kids. And since we already do have these common life rhythms going, now it's just a matter of intentionality. So that's a heart issue, <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's a matter of believing and living out of our identity, what God says is true of us as his kids, as part of a family, as sent ones. Jesus says, as I was sent, so I send you. We talked a little bit about that last episode. As servants, you know, and then really believing disciple making is not like optional. If you're if you're a Christian, then you're a disciple of Jesus. Disciples make disciples, but how do we fit it all in? So that's what I want to talk about is these six rhythms that I just briefly went through real fast, you know, okay. but we'll have time, hopefully unpack these a little bit more and give a few examples of how they work out in everyday life. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So let's start with rhythm number one. What's the first rhythm you want? So there's really no order to these, but I kind of teach them in this order so okay. I can remember them. Okay. But the first one is this uh, idea of being story formed. It's a word we kind of made up, but it's uh, understanding that we're, you know, like shaped by God's story. And, and in fact, our story is a bigger part of his. And so like our sort of tagline, you know, our one-liner for this one is that um, as disciples, we understand and experience and intersect with God's story and with others. And so it's an intentionality of going, hey, now, why is this common? Well, everybody you know has a story. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a story. I have a story. Every human has a story and it's ongoing. Not everybody knows, though, that their story has significance to God and that their story is actually a part of his bigger, grander story. And so what we have said is, hey, what if, what if we were intentionally get to know the story of God and we teach the story of God? In fact, I can give uh, your listeners some free resources to be able to download full story sets with the dialogue questions all worked in there. And we have a story of God set for kids. So do that at your dinner table, like once a week, a special dinner, you know, like family dinner night or something. But this idea of Getting to know God's story as a story. Now, that's different than just going, hey, I know a lot about the Bible, but do you know how it all connects together and who God is and what he says is true of you now because of Christ and how we get to live? All that stuff changes as we get to know the story. We teach story in community like it's really a big deal, and, and we teach it like everywhere we get to. <laughs> you know, um, It's also a matter of helping then people find their own story in that story, which means you're going to have to get to know people and get to know their mm -hmm. story better. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes I'll ask like church, you know, church leaders, I'll say, how well do you know the stories of your staff or your, you know, your core volunteer base? Yeah. Most people are like, I don't like even their staff. They're like, well, I know they're from Chicago and moved out for college and, you know, did some youth work and then, you know, and, and you know, not whatever, but it's, that's not a story. That's a set of facts, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know people's stories enough to know where they struggle with believing the truth of the gospel mm -hmm. and trusting God? And, and then, and then can you take them to a point of the story where you go, but, but look how God is and look what he, look how he treats these people, even after they sinned or, you know, even when they didn't trust him or when they were far from him or they middle fingered God or, you know, and so getting to know God's story enough and then getting, taking the time to ask people, Hey, you know, what's your story? And then like for us, because we kind of see ourselves as missionaries in a neighborhood or in a city, 
do you know the story of the culture well enough to know like what are the barriers to the gospel mm. you know stuff like that yeah so so now that's a natural one because it all it takes is intentionality it, 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 instead of just kind of shooting through life with people but saying hey i'd love to get to know a little bit more of your story or asking story-based kind of questions like so where are you from? Is this home for you originally? Or like, okay, so do you, do you have siblings? What was that like growing up? You know, getting to know people's story deeply. Now, like I said, we teach this, you know, story of God thing. When we first got out to Tacoma here and started these communities, you know, like this, we found a cafe. And I don't know if I don't think I told this story on the last thing, but we found a cafe that allowed us to come in and do a storytelling night. And uh, we just said, hey, it's storytelling night. Bring a story, bring a friend. And Hosted by Caesar. That's all it said. It was really cheeky, you know, day glow hippie poster. And we started going there. And they said, well, you can you can come on Tuesdays. It's dead in here. Like, you know, you can have a you can use the stage on Tuesday. I'm like, oh, well, it's open for people, you know. <laughs> but we we started doing it. We put up some posters around town at cafes and junk like that. And people came. And I would say within two or three weeks, this thing was packed. And all I did was I let people tell any story they wanted. But I said, but we're going to practice this form of storytelling I learned in Africa where Whoever tells the story can ask you questions of the audience, or the audience can ask the teller a few questions. Let's see how it goes. And I would tell some story, just any story. And then someone would come up and do a story. We would discuss it a little bit, each one. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, I'd get up again and say, hey, I'm going to tell a story now from the best-selling book in human history. It's called the Bible. Yeah, crazy, right? And I'm going to tell you one little piece of it tonight. And uh, a lot of people think it's a true story, the Bible. A lot of people don't. Wherever you're at, that's where you're at. I think it's a true story, but it's a wild story. And let me tell you. And then I would do a little piece of it. And I would only ask three questions. Like we, in a community, we go deep. Lots of questions, you know. And it was nuts, man, the answers that came out. And we did it chronologically for about 30 weeks in there. <laughs> Just every Tuesday. And it was so packed. It was kind of like that scene in you know, Capernaum where like there's no room in the house. They lower their buddy in, you know, like to see Jesus. It, there were people just like leaning into the room because it was in a, one room of this cafe. It was so packed. And the people we met and the stories we got to hear from their lives and uh, things that were important to them. And it, it was nutty. We do the same thing at our, at our dinner table with our kids and with our friends and in our living room. And, and everybody gets to do this story. So that story is one of the big rhythms, you know? Yeah, I love that. I think I, think I have a feeling based on last week's conversation and this this first one, um, that it's going to mimic a lot of the context of the culture and being known that we see in Acts 2 and the early church, because these churches and communities, you know, they met in homes or common places in the market. And yeah. a lot of them lived like they're together, did life together. Like it wasn't a, hey, come to this church so you could do it. That's just where they lived, and they decided, okay, let's let's do church. And you know, one of the plugs, let's be church, yeah, let's be church, let's be church, <laughs> yeah, let's be yeah. church. And so, one of the plugs uh, you commonly hear about uh, smaller local churches uh, is that, hey, you know, I'm not just a number; like I know everybody, right? And so, when we have it in the context of being in homes or being missional or like having a cafe, like this is our community, the same people showing up every week to hear stories, tell stories that I feel like, um, I know you mentioned like these aren't in any particular order, but I feel like there's some good reasoning to have this be the starting place because probably the first good pillar of community is being known, being seen. Yeah. And you can ask mm. good questions or do things together, but 
if you just stop and listen and say, I want to get to know you for the value and sake of knowing you, right? Um, that's going to resonate uh, a lot farther than any other church marketing tactic or whatever else. Like it's just a genuine, oh, yeah. natural that goes ties in with like how we were how we were created and how the Church of Christ started is just truly 100%. being known and seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's I that I think that was the heart behind these these six rhythms was we wanted to have handles mm-hmm. for ourselves and for yep. the folks that we were discipling and then we wanted it to be, you know, reproducible very easily. We wanted these rhythms to be handles of like, hey, once we see all this, it's kind of hard to unsee it. And since as you're going to see like everybody has a story, well, all the, all of these rhythms the, this is all common. Yeah. Now you know, over time, we keep these stuff posted up until it was like in our head and our heart, you know, mm-hmm. and until each one of them actually was a rhythm in our life, or just like your heartbeat or your breath, you're not thinking about it, it just is happening. That's kind of how we roll now. I'm always wanting to know people's story. And I'm thinking of it in light of the truth of the story of God. Yeah. And going, oh, man, if they only knew this, but I know we're going to be doing the full story of God here at our house, like in six weeks, or, you know, or a few months from now. And I'm going to just trust God for the conversation to eventually get to like going, you know, there's this thing, man. And like, it's crazy. And it's really fun. And we get together and we eat and we're going to tell you a story. And like people do. And it's like, oh, that's no one would want to do that. Nope. Opposite. (laughs) Yeah. It's the opposite, man. Like we've done it. I've done the story hundreds of times. Very cool. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. All right. Let's hit the uh, next rhythm. What's the next rhythm? Next rhythm is listen. You can see how that fits together. Right. Mm -hmm. And what we say to people is is that we want to help them like, intentionally there again, set aside regular times to listen to God, both backward and forward. Okay. Okay. Cause see now, why is this a common rhythm? Everybody's listening to somebody all the time, but who or what are you most listening to? You know, like, are you listening to like uh, of that voice from college or your coach or a parent who didn't ever tell you he loved you or, or that person who was the only one who did. So now you live for their approval because you can't lose it because you need it. So bad. you know what I mean? It's like, who are we listening to? So what we do is we say, Hey, let's, let's practice with intentionality, listening to God, both backward and forward. And we, we listen to God backward through his word through reading of the word, through the telling of the story of God and things like that. And we listen forward through prayer, <laughs> right? And community and, and really asking the spirit to talk. Now, let me ask you a question. In your own prayer life, like we're just getting to know each other still, but be honest, who does most of the talking when you're when you set aside time to pray? Yeah, definitely me. Right. Me too. You know, like that's changing, you know, that's changed and changing, but most of us do all the talking, but what if, what if we said, okay, to add to whatever your prayer cycle is or life, you know, or whatever of intentionality, 10 minutes a day that you're just going to listen to God. You know, good morning, father. (laughs) I'm here. I want to hear your voice today. I'm I'm listening. Now at first it's going to be hard not to go to your to-do list and jump in, you know, and get to all that. But but you'll be shocked at what God's been waiting to tell you. It seems crazy to me that as God's kids, as his family, as his body, Christ's body on earth, we spend so little time listening to dad and we do all the talking. Mm. Just think about that. Like the omnipotent sovereign who loves us to the point of giving his own life is waiting to talk to us. And we're just going to burn his ear off with our to-do list, rub the prayer genie lamp. And I got to go, dad, I got to, I got to get to work now. You know, I got to get to ministry, you know, or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, but what, what happens if we start to do that and, and, and teach our kids to do that listening prayer, 
It's very profound. And then listening to others as well. Like, hey, I'm I'm trying to, you know, make a decision here or about my work or about a ministry situation, or I'm having this issue relationally with so-and-so. Um, would you would you pray and let, uh, help me listen to God for an answer in this? Because I don't want pragmatism. I want his voice. I want, he already knows. <laughs> he knows that person. He knows this situation. He knows me. He knows my fear. Loves me anyway. Hey, dad, what's up with this? You know, would you mm-hmm. listen to? Very and cool. very often the way God speaks to us, I have come as an older brother to find out, is he speaks through other people. Yes. Yeah. You know, most people don't hear God audibly, oh, you know, on a mountain, right? Mm-hmm. And course he speaks through his word but he also speaks through his body a hundred percent jesus said he would and he does yeah and so but a lot of people they never would avail that of others like i'm going to manage the knowledge of good and evil for myself i'm only checking with god when the wheels are coming off something bad Mm -hmm. and i'll never check in with community Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean because i want to hide that stuff because i don't want to look bad or i don't want to look needy or whatever it's like oh we were created for the opposite yeah. So learning to live in a rhythm of listening both backward and forward to God's word, to his story, and then through his spirit and in community, a really powerful rhythm mm-hmm. and important one for discipleship. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that description at the end, the more the more cynical closed off. It's it's sad how many of those components or all of those components are present in a lot of current day believers. Um and whether it's just uh, burnout, whether it's hurt, whether it's just comfort, you know, it's closing yourself off to community really does physically, biologically, emotionally, spiritually close yourself off to how God created us. And in talking about how God speaks through community, you know, um, one of the most, not even one, probably the most important spiritual thing I did and participated in as a middle schooler was Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God and going through that with our youth group and having like, oh, like, yeah, God works in his people and through them and through my circumstances, why he's placed me here in this family, at this school, with these friends, relationships, with these youth leaders, you know, there's a reason. And that just totally shifted my whole perspective on like, how does he got at work as a middle schooler? Um, And, you know, even if people have had like those kind of experiences, the last several years, especially in COVID of like an anti in-person community time, you know, of quarantine, everything else. um, It's just, it's affected so much. But even for those who are like, yeah, I see the, the benefit of this, the benefit of that. It's like, well, online's fine, or for teenagers especially in being in the youth ministry world, a lot of them were able to find, um, depending on how their church did events and reaching out or lack thereof, um, one thing that I've seen several youth workers talk about post-COVID is their students have found their need for community filled elsewhere because the church Mm -hmm. didn't step up and cultivate what it should have been doing the whole time. Now, it's not to say that you break rules or that churches who like, Hey, all churches who are struggling, you didn't do enough in COVID. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it's a big perspective. It's a big reality check. And then thinking about just the minds of our developing students and how they approach community and being able to, yes, be seen and tell stories, but then listen, I, I love the backward and forward intentionality of what you said, because 
It's truly a 360 degree onward process of humility to be able to have on the forefront, not, oh yeah, I've been talking for half an hour or I always talk here. You have to be thinking about actively listening well and like being attentive to those people. Yeah. And there's a humility in listening to slow down and listen and not listen just so you can get your answer in exactly with with people or God. There's a humility in that, which is Mm -hmm. so Christ-like. Now, some people are thinking, yeah, but I don't trust people enough to like actually go to them and ask this. Yeah. If you knew their story, though, and they knew a little bit more of yours, that's what binds us. Have you ever, you ever hung out in community with somebody who's maybe that EGR or like it's not your favorite person? And then you hear their story and you go, oh, my gosh, I love this guy. I can't. He's doing great. I thought he was kind of a knucklehead. You know, like he's doing amazing given all that, you know, and it's, it changes your relationship. So you see how those go together? Yeah. You got to listen to people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right. We better get going. All right. Yeah. What's our third one? Third one is celebrate. Okay. Okay? So we all live in this rhythm of celebrations and there's think about how many parties and different things you, you kind of are almost required to go to, you know, birthday parties, (laughs) nieces, nephews, kids, friends, your parents, holidays, Super Bowl. you know what I mean? Work related, you know, all this, there is so many celebrations going on. And, and, and so we get to enter into that rhythm though in the way that God always intended. God's a God of celebration. He mandated for Israel seven major feasts and festivals. Each of them were a picture of what God was like and pointed to Christ and then showed the people how they get to live all year, not just at this party. Right. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I don't have time to unpack them. But what would it look like to celebrate with people, but like with an intentionality for in discipleship, right? Like, we're going to go and be like Jesus was, like, you know, his first miracle, the bringer of the better wine. Why did he do that? He wanted to show the world what the kingdom was like, that his dad wasn't ticked off and angry and far away, mm. that he's a he's a, he's a a father. He's a God of celebration. Here's a couple hundred more gallons of wine, right? Yep. Let, what if that was our attitude when we went to a party? Hey, we're going to bring like the shrimp platter, not the bag of Doritos that I ate half of on the way over here, you know, and then hop, you know, single guys all jump the line, you know what I mean? And like totally load up and like, look back there, like, look, prorate some of that, you know, uh-huh. like ration this a little, you know, but what if we went saying, how can I make people see the generosity of the father hmm. and how can I live as a servant? So I'm a, you know, we're going to stick around. We're going to help. It's not like, listen, man, we're here an hour. We're out of here. Like, no, it's not an obligation. It's an opportunity to enter into those celebrations and be the bringer of the better you know, wine yeah. as it were, you know, or whatever, sure. and stick around and serve. And, you know, we have missional communities that are, you know, focused on all kinds of different people. And like, I can remember like guys who, guys and gals who were, you know, making disciples of college students and living near campus, they'd get invited to all those frat parties. They'd go, they couldn't party like they were doing, you know, they didn't want to do that, but they would go and they'd bring food because all they got is like beer pong and, you know, tappers going all night. They'd bring food. They'd take out garbage. They'd sweep up. They'd walk people back to their dorms, sometimes hold their hair. You know I mean? Like check in on them the next day, bring them a little breakfast, you know, like they lived as servants, but they entered into that rhythm that's already existing. You're going anyway with a new sort of gospel intentionality. Yeah. I love that, man. I love the, the celebration aspect. I think when it comes to, yeah, this, the, the, the mundane, especially like the big exciting things in our lives, but with teenagers, with family, with friends, uh, celebrating is a big deal that, you know, uh, I think as 
followers of Jesus, we need to do well and show others, maybe who don't follow Jesus, that we can be involved. And I love that example that you, that you gave. Because um, I think youth leaders who are listening, thinking about, man, I have seniors and they're going off to college and I'm a little worried, I'm a little worried about them. Their parents are worried about them. They're wondering, am I going to fit in? And that's just one example of how you can like be present, yeah. listen, gain relationships, um, but be able to like, you know, be intentional about why you're there and not to just be there and stand around like a, like a hall monitor or a chaperone, but really just to actually yeah. celebrate and hang out with people and um, being get able to, to know their story, them, get to know the listen story, to what's going on, listen, like, see, meet see how they all fit together. Yep. You know? <laughs> meet them right where they're at. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that. That's I great. think Christians should be known as the most celebratory people in every city. Amen. Think about that. I'm down for that. I mean, do we have something to celebrate? Like eternal life, yeah. forgiven, you know what I mean, right? Yep. One with Christ? Mm-hmm. Come on. We should be known. People should be like, I don't know if I believe everything these people believe, but you want to get invited to their parties because, man, they it, it they run deep and that's yeah. fun, man. Like, I'd be okay with that MO for sure. <laughs> that was our rep. And, and yeah. I, when here in Tacoma, the churches we were planning, we were known as the party church. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Bring it, Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll take it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. Too. All right, the next rhythm. I got. I'm going to move this on. Yeah. The next one is eat. Okay. Hey. So check done. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but think about it. We all live in a rhythm of eating. How many meals a week do we all averagely eat? Twenty one. You yeah. know, twenty eight. <laughs> you know, right? There's all those opportunities. You're doing it anyway. Everybody you know is doing it. Mm-hmm. So, like with our people, we disciple and coach. We're like, hey, what if you were to pick? You know, start with one meal a week. You know, but sure. what if you to pick three meals in a week that you're going to just have with a not yet believing friend or someone you're discipling, you know? And like, so, and I'm not saying three dinner parties, but like, what if you said, Hey, I'm going to, you know, one day a week, I'm taking, I'm going to go out to breakfast or coffee with somebody like just intentionally. And I'm going to ask God and listen for who it should be. Oh, that's easy. I don't even have to wonder, you know, like I'll just ask God. And then maybe you're going to take somebody out to lunch instead of just, I always eat with my same buddy or I always eat at my desk. So, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like once a week, man, once a week, you know, I'm going to have a lunch and I'm going to try to get to know someone's story a little better. And I'm going to listen through one ear for the spirit, to, you know, to speak. Right. And then maybe one night a week, we're just going to host like an open table kind of thing. Yeah. So anybody I run into neighbors, I get to invite them like, hey, like last night we did Taco Tuesday. Some family, some friends, some people of peace. Very easy. We're not trying to close the deal. No one left with <laughs> green booklets in their hands. You know what I mean? It's like. Just fun, man. Yeah. So much fun. So pick, pick them. I'd say start with one, pick a meal, you know, and start saying, Hey, once a week, we're going to open up our table just to get to know people's story, to show them generosity so they can experience some grace. The brightest spot of their week. Yeah. Right. Easy. You're doing it anyway. You're eating anyway. Yeah. It's just a matter of loving people enough. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Eat. That's good. I, I love the, I think it makes sense to, Start out with like what's reasonable. You have all these meals. What's one time this week I can do this? And then think about with your family or people you invite to your house or with teenagers, their friends coming over. And then building out from there creates familiarity, creates rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> and when yeah. you get to know people's stories and listen and they feel affirmed and known and seen, then that will build out. Um, that's great. It's it's life changing. And I would encourage people to do it as a predictable pattern, meaning don't just do it once in a while. Remember that time we had people over for Fourth of July? Uh-huh, that was cool. We should, right. you know, like yeah. pick a night of the week. Say, yeah. hey, we, we eat every Thursday anyway. Like that's our night. Yep. You know, whatever works for you, so you'll sustain it and go like, you know. And I don't know who's showing up, 
Like, you know, like my wife made enough tacos stuff last night for a million people. Yeah, there's some leftover. Guess what we're having for dinner? You know, what I mean? you know it's like, yeah, yeah. it's okay, right? It's okay. So, all right. The next rhythm is bless. Okay. We've been blessed to be a blessing. Just think about all the blessings that God has poured into our lives. I mean, really, probably anybody listening to this podcast is probably living in the 1%. You know what I mean? Like, like you're sleeping sheltered, you're eating every day, you got clothing, you probably got more clothes than you, you know what I mean, shoes than we need, all that kind of stuff. But what would it look like to intentionally then live as, you know, blessed to be a blessing, right? Like we, and we, here's how we break it down. We say, look for three people a week to bless with e- through either words, actions, or a gift. So there again, you're interacting with all these people. Maybe you're hearing their story and you're like, you know what would bless them? Or man, I want to encourage that person very specifically with a word gift or an action gift, like serve them, you know, help them out with something. Hey, you were telling me you, you're moving this weekend. You got enough people? I got a pickup truck, you know, or my my brother does or, you know, or or whatever, you know, like there's a, I could, if we had the time, I could tell you a thousand stories of how we've get, been able to serve people, bless people. Word, action, or gift, a little small gift, taking somebody's a meal, some brownies. Hey, I, I noticed that, you know, the other day, your can opener sucks. You know, <laughs> we got this new fangle dangled one. It's like, it's crazy. We love it the head to death. I got you one, you know, like, you know, just whatever. If a group of people living in a neighborhood with intentionality all started blessing three people a week, let's say there's a dozen of y'all and you start blessing people, word, action, or gift, pray, ask God, but he'll tell you who. 36 blessings going on in your neighborhood a week, just in rhythm. You think people notice? Think they'd want to hang out with you? Yeah. Think they'd want to come to your open table, your fire pit, your, you know, s'mores night, your taco too. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're a good listener. You're getting to know their story. See how this all fits together? Mm-hmm. You're eating anyway. You've been given so much stuff. Share some of it, man. You know? Yeah. Time, words. None of that costs us anything. You know? Yeah. Very cool. I love that. All right. That's good. What's our last rhythm? The last rhythm is, again, is a kind of made up word. It's recreate. We call it recreate. It's two words pushed together, rest. And out of our rest, we create. Okay. So we don't, we don't rest from work. You know, we work from rest. That's sort of the biblical creationals, you know, plan that God set in motion. Humans were created. And the next day was the day of rest. Crazy, right? So they, they didn't start like, all right, this garden's a mess, you know, like, get after it. You know, it was like, no. And it's the most often repeated of all the laws and commands in scripture and all the laws is like, don't forget to keep the Sabbath, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so what it is, is rest and create. We rest in Christ's completed work. And out of that, we create beauty and work. It's the idea of Sabbath. We called it that because we wanted it to sound more playful and fun and we wanted it to be connected deeper to the gospel. Hey, out of resting in what Christ has completed, that you don't have to earn his love or provision or affection, out of that, go to work, but not to earn or prove yourself or get a title or get everybody's attaboy because you get the end, the attaboy that counts, God's, you know, yeah. he loves you. What would life be like to set aside in rhythm a little bit of time to reconnect deeply with God, to rest? focus on, oh, God is so good to us. Look at all these blessings, like, you know, and out of that, then you work and provide for others and for yourself and Mm -hmm. generosity and all that. It's life changing. It's the way we were created to do. It's the one I suck at the most, man. I just, I'm not good at it in rhythm. I, I do it, 
But I need my community. I'll be honest with you without a community to remind me, ask me, you know, I've had friends that are like, man, I'm taking you golfing. I'm taking you fishing like once a month, this once a week that I need that. Cause I'm kind of a getter dunner, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. I tend to want to be my own provision and everybody else's. Uh, yeah. But that's not how we were created, man. We were created to work from rest. So recreate is this idea rest in Christ completed work. And from that freedom, then go ahead and create and work and provide and all that. Yeah, no, I love that. Uh, I think some, some misnomers about rest that I've learned for myself. And that I think a lot of people hold are that rest doesn't necessarily mean like sleeping or sitting around and doing nothing. Also you, it's good to rest from good things, not just like, man, it was a it was a terrible day at work or a week at work. I just want to rest and do nothing. Like, it's good to rest from even think like when you're building into community and hearing people's stories, and like just like you said, I tend to want to fill those myself and be people's provisions and help them out and, and get and get to know them, which are God honoring things. But even in that, we need to rest because we need, we need to reconnect to the Father's yes. heart. Absolutely. Yeah. Like consistently. Mm -hmm. And I know some people say, well, that's why we go to church on Sunday. Yes. And yeah. (laughs) What if it was a part of life though, where you're going, you know, I'm, I'm cultivating this. That was Jesus point about the Sabbath. It wasn't about taking a day off of work. It was about taking time to recreate yourself, to be recreated in who God's created you to be Mm -hmm. in his love. Cause then you can go forward and work and be a blessing, but you're not doing it to build your own story and build your own glory and yeah. put on a mask and earn and prove yourself. There's freedom in it, all of it. Then yeah, that's the idea behind Sabbath is that it's so, like you said, for my wife, it's gardening or believe it or not, because she loves to cook and have people over. That's her happy place, man. She's deeply connecting with the father when she's either out gardening or putting on a big meal. Like what some people go, like, I never want to do that for my wife. That's how she feels. The father's, approval and love. And I, I, I don't know why I'm good at this, but people respond and they feel loved by it. And so I love doing it too. And, you know, everybody's different, but it takes intentionality to cultivate that rhythm of that, but it's an important rhythm and it's an important rhythm for students and for people. Wouldn't it be great if people learned that young in life? Like, no, I'm not going to like work to prove myself. I really have, my family did this and my church did this. And we actually set aside time to listen to God and deeply connect. And sometimes I did alone. Sometimes we did it together with friends. And then we went out and had a lot of fun together, all in light of that. And it was richer. It was deeper, way more fulfilling than just like, whew, I'm just going to look at, you know, I'm just going to like work through TikTok videos or Instagrams all day, you know, or I'm going to just like binge out on Netflix. That's all the rest you ever get. When do you deeply connect and refresh and be recreated? (laughs) That's, That's what we're created for. So there you go. That's, that's all of them. Yeah, I love it. Well, Caesar, thank you so much, man. Uh, we will uh, put your uh, website URL for Everyday Disciple back up in the in the show notes, so people can hit that up. And please come and check out the podcast. Check yeah. out the Everyday Disciple podcast. We talk yes. about all this stuff and try to normalize our faith. That's why it's called Everyday Disciple. You know, yeah. What would it be like to look, you know, into everything and make it beautiful and simple and good news for people, starting with ourselves too? You know, <laughs> yeah. Love it. All right. Well, thanks again, man. Have a good one. Thanks for having me on. Blessings, man. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Caesar for coming back on with us. Just like last week, the link to his website is in the show notes. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. And be sure to check out our website, youthministrymaverick.com. 
There, you can see a comprehensive list of our guests, their bio information, some organizations that can help you in your ministry, some articles I've published, and a store to help support the podcast. Also, we would love if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, not just a rating, but a review. It helps our visibility, and we would really appreciate that. If you do leave us a review, take a screenshot of it and send it to me, and I will personally mail you a thank you card with some podcast swag that you can't get on the store. Well, that does it for today. Thanks again for listening. Please share this if it helps others that you know, and we hope that you've been encouraged by it. Until next time, adios. Adios.